0: It burns! It burns! It cigarette burns. This is 1,000 Wives of Weird.
1: I don't want to see an ordinary film. I want to see something extraordinary.
2: Your sacrifice completes my
0: sanctuary of 1,000 testicles. You ever feel as if your mind had started to
1: erode?
0: Welcome to 1,000 Wives of Weird, a podcast of the celebration of everything weird, Mostly movies, although today we have a made-for-TV movie. Mm -hmm. I'm Brad Hefner, and with me as always is... Billy Martell! And before we start off, I want to just talk a little bit about the podcast. We're still a very small podcast, we don't have a huge audience, but our audience is growing. Yes. And it's fan-fucking-tastic, and I'm so happy, and I want to thank everybody who listens. Seriously. We're going to start pushing advertising more. If you enjoy the show, please tell people about it. If you have friends who are movie fans or you think they would just enjoy our brand of nonsense. Sure. Uh, it would be a tremendous help to us. Absolutely. We, we would love to to keep seeing this
2: audience grow. But if, if you guys have been listening to us for however long, thank you so
0: very much for your support. It's absolutely fantastic. Absolutely. And mm-hmm. let us know. If you're listening to this, most likely you know us. Yeah, <laughs> Probably. So uh, just say, like, hey, I like this. Sure, uh, yeah. Yeah, just give us some feedback. Yeah. And now today, we are talking about our second Masters of Horror episode, mm-hmm. John Carpenter's Cigarette Burns.
2: Yes. Like most of John Carpenter's movies, uh, and unlike most episodes of Masters of Horror, this has the director's name right in the title. It's yes. not anyone's cigarette
0: burns, this is John Carpenter's Cigarette Burns. John Carpenter pulled the cigarette from his mouth <laughs> while he was noodling <laughs> on his keyboard and burned you with it.
2: Exactly. Exactly. Although this one actually did not is is one of the rare John Carpenter product projects that he did not score himself. But his son did. But his son did. And yes. It sounds
0: exactly like a it, John Carpenter score. It sounds exactly like it. My theory is that he wanted to like uh, set his son up with some royalties. She <laughs> so was just like, "Here, I'll do it. <laughs> ding dong, ding dong, ding dong, ding dong. Sign your name to yeah. it. Right there. All right, Cody.
2: Um, I I love that every John Carpenter thing, no matter." Who is doing the score? It always sounds like a John Carpenter score. Ennio Morricone did the score to the thing, and it sounds like a John Carpenter score. It's literally just dur, 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 exactly like the Halloween theme.
0: John Carpenter's leaning over Maestro Ennio Morricone going. <laughs> <laughs> Do too you many re- notes. Too many notes. Too Do many you really notes. need more than two notes. I think we can. <laughs> I know we don't pay by the note, but. Right. I think we can get by with two. <laughs> yeah. If you're if you want to know more about Masters of Horror, you can listen to our previous episode Imprint, where we go into it a little bit.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Not a tremendous show. No, most of the entries are pretty weak. Yeah, and this is Head and Shoulders, the best one.
2: Absolutely, this is this is definitely the best episode. It's also arguably the last really good film project John Carpenter was ever attached to. I don't know if it's even arguably. Uh, what what else came after this? I forget. I have no clue. I think it was maybe Ghosts of Mars came after no, this. No, Ghosts,
0: uh, Ghosts of Mars was before this. Oh,
2: okay. If Ghosts of Mars was before this, then the only thing to come af- out after this is the ward. The ward. So this is-, is definitely the last good thing he made. This
0: is like a historical landmark. This is, <laughs> this is like going to see a dinosaur footprint in yeah. the ground like this. This is the last known remnant of a mighty beast.
2: <laughs> John Carpenter, for those who don't know, it was a... An absolute horror and science fiction... A genre filmmaking icon... Yes. Throughout the 70s and 80s... And even a bit into the
0: 90s... A little bit. His his last good thing before this... Was In the Mouth of Madness with Sam Neill... Yes. In the early to mid 90s...
2: And there just... are those who argue that, that... Even that was not as good as his heyday... I mean... It's
0: not as good as The Thing... But it's sure. an amazingly fun movie.
2: Right... Well, yeah, for, for those who uh, might be thinking, well, what would I know that he made? He made The Thing. He made the original movie, Halloween. He made the movie, They Live, which most people just know is the movie where uh, Rowdy Roddy Piper says, I'm here to kick ass and chew bubblegum, and I'm all out of bubblegum. He made Escape from New York.
0: Escape from L.A.
2: Escape from L.A., Big Trouble in Little China. Yep.
0: Uh... A titan. A titan of the industry. Absolutely. If you're unfamiliar with John Carpenter somehow, definitely go check out his stuff. Please. The Thing is probably
2: my favorite. It's it's definitely what John Carpenter at the time considered to be his magnum opus. I definitely think it's his magnum opus. Halloween is also really good. Oh, yeah. But, uh, but uh, yeah, I, I think The Thing is, is probably
0: his best work that I've seen. Now, to very briefly sum up what happens in Cigarette Burns,
1: mm-hmm.
0: a theater owner and rare film procurer Kirby Sweetman mm-hmm. is contracted by a man named Mr. Bellinger to find a movie called La Fin Absolute du Monde mm-hmm. which means the absolute end of the world it is a movie that not only will drive you mad if you see it mm-hmm. but even thinking about it, pursuing it will affect you it's like the Bye Bye Man I guess <laughs>
2: I am not familiar <laughs> well if you think about the bye bye man you he he can kill you oh okay, yeah yeah don't say it, don't think it that's the tagline of the movie
0: I mean it's Douglas Adams best film <laughs> uh I mean it sounds like you're kind of just fucked like <laughs> just I, I, if I were the bye bye man, I'd be taking out like billboards. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's why the movie Bye Bye Man was created. It was produced by the Bye Bye Man. Yep. He's like, "I'm going to get my name out there." Right. And then the movie flopped, and he's like, "Shit, and I'm in debt."
2: <laughs> so now we're 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 perpetuating the curse because now everyone out there is going to be like, "What is this Bye Bye Man thing?" And now they're going to be start thinking about it and they're going to get killed by the Bye Bye Man. Yeah, man. Well, yep. there
0: goes our audience. I guess so. <laughs> Never mind. Never mind the audience growth. But that's Cigarette Burns in a nutshell. Mm-hmm. Billy, would you recommend John Carpenter's cigarette burns? Absolutely.
2: Absolutely. I, I I I will say I don't think it's the strongest thing that he's ever made. But it's definitely the strongest episode of Masters of Horror. It is the only episode from Masters of Horror that I would I would like single out and recommend to anyone oh, yeah. who likes horror. Uh it's 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 a little bit grosser than some of John Carpenter's stuff. Like he doesn't usually get this gory. Yeah. But it's absolutely earned, in my opinion. In fact, I kind of wish that they'd gone a little bit
0: more. I could have done with a little bit more. too. A little
2: bit more, but but it's 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 great.
0: It's an hour long. It's it's just a fantastic little bite of horror. It's almost a shame that this movie is sort of imprisoned by Masters of Horror. Yeah. And that it wasn't like some sort of feature film on its own. I don't know sure. how I don't know how well it would stand up with an extra half an hour tacked on. I don't know. But there isn't really a it's it's weird
2: because short films used to be a thing and they kind of still are a thing that people do make, but there's almost not as much of a market for them. Like there's no aside from film festivals, there's no real way of of releasing stuff like yeah. that. Yeah. People used to have short back in the way back in the day you used to have short films like appear before longer films, and and, uh, aside from Disney and Pixar, we don't do that anymore.
0: No, which is sort of a shame. It is a shame, I
2: think. Short films can
0: be really fantastic. Absolutely, and it sucks. We're going to have, at some point, and hopefully we'll do a couple of these, short film roundups. Oh, sure. Where there's, there's, especially short films, weirdness can really thrive. Absolutely. Because you can, if you have an idea that only needs 15, 30 minutes to Mm -hmm. execute, it's the perfect medium,
2: but that's kind of why I like. We've talked about this before. I, I like anthology TV shows and also anthology movies because I like. I think that horror can sometimes be
0: better in those little bite-sized chunks. There's a new anthology show on Hulu mm-hmm. called Monsterland. Oh, that Brendan, former co-host, has yep. been crowing to me about.
2: Great. I'm also curious about the new. The new edition of Creep Show. On Shudder. On Shudder, because I've heard great things about the Creep Show
0: movies, even though I still have not seen them. The first Creep Show is great. Mm-hmm. Ted Danson shows up. Always good. Yeah, it's great. And sure. I haven't seen the new Creep Show, or I haven't seen any other Creep Show media aside from that. but...
2: I, from what I understand, Creep Show 2 is okay, and Creep Show 3 is the worst thing ever. Gotcha. Yep.
0: But I would also recommend Cigarette Burns. It's. And we'll get into it later, but this is a movie that. Sort of speaks to me in the pursuit of film. It's it's very on the nose for us to
2: have it on this podcast.
0: Yes. This is the conceit of this podcast. The point where there's a line that I will have to rip somehow so I can put it in our <laughs> intro. But it's fantastic. It's a great detective story. Yeah, There are creepy moments. There are gory moments. It's very engaging. I was never bored. Yeah, The only part that falls flat is the star Norman Reedus... I know there are a lot of people who are huge <laughs> fans of Norman Reedus, the man is not a good actor. He's not a good actor. I I genuinely
2: think he's probably a wonderful person in real life. I get
0: that feeling too, and we will talk about it in a bit. But. but
2: like, yeah, he's he's not at least especially maybe he's gotten better over the years. I haven't seen a lot of his more recent stuff, but in this in this episode, his acting is pretty weak. Yes. Yeah. Uh,
0: I don't think he's gotten better. Okay. I haven't seen any recent episodes of The Walking Dead, but from the bit of <laughs> Death Stranding I played, uh-huh. and granted, maybe he's not used to mocap uh, and voiceover sure. acting and all that, but. Yeah. Ugh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, we're about to get into the in depth walkthrough of the movie with our analysis. Yes. Everything from here on is going to be spoilers. Yes check out Cigarette Burns. It's available on DVD or you can buy it digitally. Yeah. Now, we already talked about John Carpenter. This is written by Drew McWeeny mm-hmm. and Scott Swan who has since transitioned into Rebecca Swan. Oh, okay. Yep. Uh, the pair also wrote the other Carpenter-directed episode of Masters of Horror, Pro-Life. Yes, I've heard of this but I have not seen it. I only watched it once. Okay. It does have Ron Perlman in it. Oh, that's cool. But it's I remember not being that impressed with it. Okay. Now, I went down sort of a rabbit hole. Okay. <laughs> with Drew McQueenie and Rebecca Swan. Sure. Because this is a fantastic episode. It was like, what else have these guys written? Of course. Not a lot else. Okay. But their first credited movie, they worked on this together as well. Uh-huh. They were two of the 11 credited writers oh, no. on Fart the Movie. What? And F.A.R.T. is an acronym. I tried to find out what it stands for, but I don't know. (laughs) And I became very curious about F.A.R.T. the movie. Uh, Of course, yeah. Because it sounds like a cursed movie in itself. It sounds awful, yeah. And this is from memory. The description on IMDb is something like, Scott loves two things, F.A.R.T.ing and Heather. (laughs) But Heather hates farting. Oh, no. So Scott falls asleep in front of the TV, and he dreams that all the TV programs are about farting. Oh, God. And it's an anthology comedy movie about farting. Oh, God. (laughs) This sounds like the worst. Oh, yeah, it does. (laughs) I don't don't find farts particularly funny. No. I'm not one of those guys. Yeah. But I sort of want to see this movie, because it sounds so (laughs) fucking stupid. You know, I've heard that there's there's a movie,
2: there's like a kids' movie about farting that's supposed to be actually really good. It was made in England.
0: Oh, Thunderpants! Thunderpants! Yeah, I've heard that's uh, actually pretty good. Red Letter Media reviewed that, and they seem like, to like enjoy ages it. ago. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I started looking into the other writers on Fart the Movie. Oh my god! <laughs> this is about a forty-five minute rabbit hole. Another one of the writers, uh huh, Robert Axelrod. Oh, I've heard of this guy. Exa- I knew you would because he's the voice of Lord Zed and Finster. On the Power Rangers. Oh my God! Yeah, and and he did the English screenplay adaptation for Samurai Pizza Cats. They saw his work on Fart the Movie, <laughs> and went, "You are the man who can translate this story of Samurai Pizza." Cats Story of Samurai Pizza Cats. Oh my God! I, I did check out every one of the eleven writers on Fart the Movie, but <laughs> Robert Axelrod was the most interesting. It was of the them. most interesting. A of couple course. of them, believe it or not, only credit. I'm not I can't say that I'm surprised. So the film opens with a quote. Yes. Film is magic and in the right hands a weapon. Mhm. And the quote is written, read by Udo Kier, I yes. believe, who plays Mr. Bellinger. Mhm. And Udo Kier has been in a million things.
2: A Million things.
0: Including uh Mark of the Devil, a movie yes. we saw and very much enjoyed. Yes. Suspiria, Blade, Ace Ventura.
1: Mhm. Uh
2: he's also been in he played Dracula in Andy Warhol's Blood for Dracula and Dr. Frankenstein in Andy Warhol's Flesh for Frankenstein. Oh. In which he says the immortal line, which I will always say whenever this gets brought up, to no life you must fuck it into the gallbladder. <laughs> <laughs> and he's, there's a great video online that I recommend if you want more information about Cigarette Burns after you've watched it. After you've watched it. I recommend checking out a YouTube video called John Carpenter Talks Cigarette Burns, in which there are interviews with John Carpenter in which he gets very pissed off at the interviewer. Why? Uh, because he says, Guys, this is the worst interview I've ever had in my life. This is awful. Shut, just move on to the next question. Move on to the next question. This is awful. <laughs> and at the end of it, he's ripping off the mic being like, "Don't I don't want you to use any of this. I can do better. Oh, wow. And, like, and then it cuts abruptly to an Udo Kier interview where he is the exact opposite, and he's an absolute delight. Oh, I'm sure. And uh, I'll get to some of his quotes as the review goes on, but one of the things he says is that he he implies that he had the his pick of which episode to be in. I guess they just wanted Udo Kier to be in their show. Of course. And he decided he wanted to work on this one because the other episodes that they offered were with directors he'd already worked with and he'd never
0: worked with John Carpenter oh, before. Cool. So he really wanted to work with him. Uh, Norman Reedus, who plays Kirby Sweetman, mm-hmm. is called to the mansion of Mr. Bellinger, as I said, played by Udo Kier. Yes. Is Kirby Sweetman... The dumbest name you've ever heard? I think so. It's I, pretty fucking dumb. I I, I I was watching
2: this last night, re-watching this last night with my wife and uh, Kaylee, and she's she that was one of the comments that she has, just like, why is he named Kirby? And I was like, I don't
0: know. It's a bad name. Kirby Sweetman sounds like the name of a cartoon chef. <laughs> or specifically a baker, like... I make the sweets for the town.
2: Sweet Man sounds like the name of an enemy in a Kirby video game. Yeah, yeah, it's it's really bad. And it doesn't fit the character at all.
0: Do you think if Kirby ate Norman Reedus, um, <laughs> he'd like, have a motorcycle and like a crossbow? He, he would have... He would
2: he would just get, like, swishy hair and, like, a dirt stash, and, and then just start s- chain-smoking cigarettes.
0: And his expression would never change, never no change. matter what's going on.
2: Yeah, he'd just have, like, a really weak, reedy voice.
0: Kirby's job is, he owns a theater, and yep. he also tracks down rare films for people.
2: The theater's called The Vogue. Udo
0: Kier says it's a
1: shit books. <laughs>
0: Which it's not It's a very nice theater It's a fine like, theater Yeah it's, it's huge For the kind of movies it shows It's only got 800 seats And you're happy to sell 500 An 800 seat theater is ridiculous <laughs> Like that's a high school auditorium
1: yeah. I need to note
0: That the investment in this theater Was bad But this is like <laughs> This is just dumb
2: <coughs> I, you know, movie premises don't have to make sense, I guess. They're just there. I guess, I mean... They're just there to set up the thing.
0: Kirby Sweetman's finances and, like, (laughs) are not really the... Well, they are the issue of the movie. Yeah. But his his choice of venue is not.
2: And, uh, so Udo Kier's character, what's his name again? Mr. Bellinger. Mr. Bellinger. In my notes, I just called him Udo Kier. Mr. Bellinger wants Kirby to find this movie, the absolute end of the world. He wants him to find that movie specifically because he in, he thinks that Kirby has great taste yeah which I wouldn't say
0: is a good piece a, a good a good way to hire your investigators yeah um, no it's not but presumably Kirby has done this before sure presumably he he talks about they, they he says what a what a what a
2: horrible uh, career you must have finding all these great treasures and then never being able to keep any of them for yourself. And he says oh well, I mean I get to
0: screen them for quality assurance purposes so yeah, I, I get by. But yeah, great taste is not it's it's like being like, those are real nice shoes Batman, do you think you can solve this <laughs> case? I, I like that we,
2: we talked forever about how much we love this movie and then we're just immediately ragging on it. As
0: soon as it starts up. It's because we love it that... Yeah,
2: and we've seen it a bunch of times. Yes,
0: this is... Aside from Repo Man for me and maybe Shin Godzilla for you... Actually, when we did Shin Godzilla, I think that was only the second
2: time I'd ever seen
0: it. Then this, aside from maybe Me and My Dick then... Okay, Me and My Dick I've seen a couple times. This is, the, this is one of the few movies where we've seen this a lot of times.
2: I think this is the only one where we've both seen it a lot of times, yeah. at least... Uh, so yeah, we're 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 having a little bit more fun with yeah. this one. Than so
0: usual. yeah, the film is called La Fond Absolute du Monde, the absolute yep. end of the world. Yep. It played once at a film festival, and violence erupted in the theater. And uh, Udo Kier missed that because he went to
2: see Doctor Fibes instead because he wanted to see <laughs> meet Vincent Price. Yeah. <laughs> Which I
0: get it. Yeah. Oh, definitely. <laughs> yeah. It's directed by Hans Bakovic. Mm-hmm. And when the director tried to get it out of the country. The government destroyed it.
2: Supposedly. Supposedly. There was another screening that happened in the mid-80s, I
0: think they said. There was a private screening that Kirby's friend Henri was a projectionist for.
2: Which we learn later. Yes. And uh, Udo Kier was going to attend that one as well, but just as he was about to get there his
0: dog got sick
2: oh is that what happened no. i i i his dog gets no he, he he it says they 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 announced oh we canceled it which um. does not match up with the story that is told to us later
0: yeah but um. he does
2: say that the theater burned down uh, as part of the cancellation, yeah. so maybe there was a a pre 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 showing that you had to spend spend extra special money for.
0: <laughs>
1: uh,
2: and Udo Kier got his tickets at cut price, so he was at like the second or third showing.
0: He was he was up in the nosebleed section. <laughs> um,
2: he wasn't quite as rich as he is now at that point. Exactly. It took a while. It's not easy for a German in America.
0: It's not. Uh, <laughs> Udo Kier was brought over here as part of Operation Paperclip. He wasn't a scientist, but he was just a weird German guy. He was like, let's throw one of those in, too. And Wernher von Braun was like, he's useless. He's like, look at his face. Maybe he'll become a radioactive monster. I... I also look my another
2: one of my favorite things about Udo Kier is he's he's of the Clint Eastwood school of acting, where when you see him in real life he's 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 a perfectly nice guy. He's he talks like a normal person with a German accent, it's it's fine. And then the minute the camera's on, he every line is whispered. <laughs> <laughs> every single line is whispered, no matter what the
0: movie is, what the scene is, it's all whispers. It's because Udo Kier is afraid of boom mics. <laughs> And but, he doesn't want them to hear him.
2: That kind of makes sense because most of this movie he spends in a hunched over position. Yeah. He's hiding from the boom mic. Exactly. He doesn't right. want to look at it. It
0: doesn't see me, does it? It's hanging over my head, oh no. I think I'm allergic to the fur. kerby <laughs> <laughs> Kirby notices a pair of white angel wings on the wall. Yes. He inquires about them and Bellinger says they are a prop from the mm-hmm. Font absolu du monde. The wings look perfect. This is a great, it's great. shot. It's, it's fantastic. A great prop. They look exactly like you are imagining them when you think of Angel Wings. Yes. Bellinger has over 8,000 films featuring the most extreme images created by some of the most obscure filmmakers from around the world. Mm-hmm. He wants something with real power. Yes. Bellinger gives Kirby a folder that has every lead about the film he has and recruits him to find it. Kirby says it'll, it will be expensive, and it probably isn't even out there, but... Bellinger says he had, his sources are unimpeachable and tells Kirby to follow him. Bellinger shows Kirby a suffering, small person in a dark room,
1: mm-hmm. wearing
0: nothing but shackles and a loincloth. They have a big alien head. Yes. And this is such a great shot. In the background, I'm not sure if they're curtains or some sort of lighting fixture, but yes. there's this green glow in the back. Mm-hmm. And it's. Perfect. And they have
2: the creature chained to a platform that when they enter the room starts spinning. He's mm. literally a museum piece. Yes. In his collection. And uh, Bellinger t- throws a ice cube yes. at the creature and starts mocking it. This is where he really starts uh, cringing over and making fun of the creature for its, its patheticness.
0: And after Bellinger turns on the lights... We see that this person is, in fact, a very pale sort of blue mm-hmm. and has wispy white hair. And on its back are two bloody nubs where something has been cut off.
2: Which, if you've seen X Men 3, you immediately think wings. Yes. Yeah.
0: So, is it obvious at this point what this creature is?
2: When I first watched it, you first showed it to me, I did not immediately understand. But I picked it up very quickly. Okay. Uh, I will say that, in my opinion, the biggest mistake on a screenwriting level for this episode is this scene. Not because it's not well shot. It's very well shot, as you put it. It's a it's a great image, and it's very well acted by all three of the actors involved, mm-hmm. the, an- the angel included. I think it's one of Norman Reed's better... Uh, points because he looks all nervous, and
0: I would argue weird. about that because I didn't get nervous, I just got he was barely reacting. And yeah, this is I agree with you. That this probably not for the same reasons, okay? But I agree with you. Well, I probably the reason is this reveal comes too soon. That's the reason that I have okay, okay. so so. You already established the
2: angel wings in the back. Mm-hmm. Later on in the movie, since we're already in the spoiler section, later on in the movie, it's revealed that the subject matter of mm-hmm. Lefant Absolute Dumont, Lefant Absolute Dumont, is a the torture and de-wingification of a angel, an yes. actual angel. They captured an angel of the Lord and removed its wings and tortured it, and this angel has been stuck on Earth ever since. And Mr. Ballinger found it, and because of its spiritual connection to the film, it knows that it was not destroyed. In my opinion, he should have said in the beginning of the episode, my sources are unimpeachable, I, I have it on very good authority, and Norman, if Norman Reedus, you could even do a, a Raiders of the Lost Ark reference, I, I, have it on, I have it on very good authority, Norman Reedus, what authority, very
1: good authority,
2: <laughs> and then he goes. He has he has the rest of the hunt, and comes back, and then sees that right before he leaves, and right before the showing, that would have made it so much better because the rest of the movie Norman Reedus acts again, going back to Indiana Jones, like he doesn't believe in the supernatural. Like uh, he's just like he even says to the person who works at his theater with him, "Yeah, this guy creeps me out. I don't know why. Maybe because he has an albino cripple tied up." And in his house, call
0: the police. And that's my problem. Is and we'll go back to your thing in a second. Yeah. But yeah, you see this weird, obviously not human creature. Yeah. And you just go about your fucking day. Like yeah. even if it were a human, this thing is chained up. Yeah. In this man's house.
2: Like I, I wrote it down. Is it's like to, to, to him if he doesn't if you don't believe in the supernatural if you if you immediately discount in your mind that it could be anything but a human. You still have an albino man with with elephantism uh, in in a guy in a guy's chained up in
0: a guy's house. This could have been fixed with one line. Okay, if Norman Reedus said to his projectionist, he's into some weird sex stuff. Because then I could <laughs> see like Norman Reedus is just like, oh, he's rich. He's into weird sex stuff. That's why he has this weird actor yeah. chained up and like it's a sex thing. Yeah. And it just, for whatever, maybe it was an extra in the movie, maybe that's...
2: Right. That would have at least given
0: me something to understand. Because otherwise he's just like, I'm not going to call the police. I'm not going to do anything about this.
2: And you could could argue that, like, oh, well, uh, Mr. Ballinger is an incredibly rich person. He even says at one point you don't get as rich as I am without having to bury a few bodies along the way. Maybe the police aren't going to care because he's yeah. so rich, but it doesn't matter you don't get into bed with someone who's just shown you that they have chained up torture victims in their house
0: or at least there has to be some reaction to that other than some mild apprehension right right but this structurally it's not it draws you in very quickly it, it, it does and and it 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 right off the bat establishes that there's a supernatural element mm-hmm and it, it's not outright telling you this is an angel. It more just, like, goes... On rewatches, it's very obvious. You see the wings, yeah. you see the nubs. This is not a human thing. I will
2: say, I did not pick up wasn't that it was an angel the first time I watched it, even though I did get it very quickly afterwards. Uh, again, I wa- showed this to my wife, Kaylee, last night. She immediately got it. She saw yeah. the nubs and was like, oh, angel wings. Yes. She just... It, it
0: Immediately. Yes. So, And I'm sure a lot of people have that ability yeah. to put those two things together. Yeah. This comes within the first 10 minutes. Yeah. And this is the big reveal of the movie. That's such an odd choice. It's not even that it's I'm more I don't even see it as, as a weakness because it's such a weird choice like to yeah. to front load the movie like this. And Yeah. I almost don't mind it because no one structures their story like that. I I have
2: so thoroughly decided that I love Cigarette Burns that I I let it go. Yes. It's like, again, Raiders of the Lost Ark, when you realize that Indiana Jones has absolutely no effect on the plot uh, of of that movie. If you love
0: Raiders, you let that go. I actually have, in my mind, I call it the Indiana Jones principle where... If a movie is good, mm-hmm. I will excuse any suspension of disbelief or leaps in logic. Yeah, But if a movie is bad, I will hammer it on those things every time.
2: Oh, it's yeah, it's absolutely true. But like I I so it's it's something that stands out in my mind is like this is glaringly a wrong choice in my personal opinion. However, it is not
0: enough to kill the movie for. Me. No. Yeah. And again, this scene works so well the Angel looks so great. Yes. And I find angels creepy. (laughs) I don't blame you. Personally, like, it's something that's... I think it dates back to Final Fantasy VII,
1: Mm
0: -hmm. where there is a cutscene that features sort of this metal sculpture of an angel that is torn off, and that was the first time I had seen an angel depicted other than White Wings, Harp, Halo, and I'm like... Wow, that's kind of creepy. Yeah. And so from there it's sort of I've been interested in the spookier angels. Sure. Uh especially biblical angels who look fucking angels are nuts. Fucking terrifying, yeah. And it's also I'm an atheist. Yep. So when I think about when I if I were to imagine a god, mm-hmm. it always is more like an indifferent thing. Sure. And an emissary from this cosmic power like imagine if Cthulhu had angels. Sure. That's the way I sort of like this cosmic power is sending something down to Earth that's going to be unsettling and off putting. Right, 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 right. Okay. So I I love this story because it feeds into my <laughs> love of creepy ass angels. The
2: angel isn't all that it, he looks creepy, but he's not a a an evil force. No it's or not, even it's... an indifferent force in this movie. He's he's genuinely the the what's so fucked up about the absolute end of the world is that it's
0: destroying something beautiful. Exactly. Yeah. But it's it's not a this is not the beautiful uh graceful what we think of angelic creature. This is right. like you said, a small, hunched over, it's clearly been battered, bruised. Yeah. Um, it's more of a quasimodo yeah. figure. It, the hair is all wispy mm-hmm. and that could be a product of the imprisonment and beatings. Sure. And the torture. I don't know, but it's this is not how you normally would depict an angel. True, and I love that.
2: Have you ever seen the prophecy movies with no. Christopher Walken as Gabriel? No. Yeah, he he uh, he's decided that he doesn't like that God spends too much time caring about humans who are imperfect instead of angels who he considers to be perfect. So he
0: declares war on God. And that's another thing I like that like sort of gives me a creepy angle mm-hmm. to angels is because. I mean, it's got to kind of suck to just be like, I guess I'm the worker bee. God can technically do everything in an instant. Yeah. But I, yeah, no, sure. Let me fucking blow on this trumpet.
2: I, I recommend the the prophecy movies. They're not especially great, but they are, they are wacky in a fun way. Awesome. Yeah. Uh,
0: a lot of pies being thrown.
2: A lot of pies being thrown, especially by Christopher Walken.
0: Now, Billy, I have a surprise. Oh, dear. Since this movie is about... Angels being treated badly. Sure. I I got an angel. Oh, no. Yeah, I bought one. Uh, <laughs> is this for your brothel? No, well, I closed that down. Oh, okay. I made about uh, $24,000, <laughs> and I decided to call it a day. I get it, I get a it. A lot of people out of work. Sure. But yeah. you found this angel. Okay? Yeah. And, and you bought it with the $24,000. Exactly. Yeah. And I brought him into the studio. Oh. Just to sort of like, you know... Have a nice time. Sure. Just, just so. Billy, meet our angel.
2: Hey, angel. Hello, Billy. Oh, you, you don't sound so good. Are you okay?
0: I'm fine. It just hurts to be on Earth. <laughs>
2: oh, I'm sorry to hear that. How long are you here for?
0: Eternity. Oh, God. I lost my keys, so <laughs> I, I can't get home. <laughs> Oh, I'm sorry. I mean, we lost our keys. I forgot that's how angels talk in this movie. (laughs) All Um, right. My name is (laughs) Cryptozorp. What
2: a beautiful name you have. Yeah. Yeah. So, what's it like being an angel?
0: It's okay. I don't make any money.
2: Well, I would imagine so. I, I would think God would be a socialist. He
0: pays us in buttons. <laughs> he pays you in buttons? Shiny buttons that you sew on a coat. <laughs> That's God currency. Uh, okay. Uh what what do you spend your buttons on? More buttons. <laughs> I, it's I, I, just trading buttons back and forth. What? I I I don't
2: understand what the the end result of this button trading is. Economy. Okay. So so God is a capitalist then. Sure. <laughs> but a button capitalist.
0: Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's how we pick the god too. Is whoever has the prettiest button gets to be god that week. Wait,
2: different people get to be elected to be god. I thought god was was an ever present uh, figure. We take turns. <laughs> have you ever had a turn being god? No.
0: <laughs> How's that? Why? Why is that? I don't have the appropriate degree. What My kind crypt- of- All right, <laughs> cryptosaur- Shut the fuck up. Done with this bit. We'll, we'll get back to you. Uh, as you said... Uh, oh, when the lights come up, another fascinating detail of this is... Mm-hmm. The angel is not kept in, like, a dungeon. No. It's just, like, a side room. Yeah. That's decorated... And granted, this could be lazy uh, set design. Could be. It's a TV show, after all. It's literally just another room. Yeah. Furnished just the same, except for this fucking angel. Yep. And the, the angel, it only refers to itself as we. Yes. And says, we were part of the film. Mm-hmm. Bound to the negative like soul to flesh. Mm-hmm. If it had been destroyed, we would know. Sure. Fucking gnarly as shit. That's metal <laughs> as hell. And Bellinger says he knows he can't get into heaven. So he just wants a little taste of it before he, he goes to hell. And he doesn't want to die without seeing the movie. Yeah. He says he's not a well man. No. And it's... uh, Just the whole conceit of this is so metal. Mm -hmm. Just like, we're torturing angels and (laughs) everyone's going to go insane. (laughs) (laughs) And
2: it's it's very similar to the plot of
0: In the Mouth of Madness, which is... Sort of. In the Mouth of Madness, they go to a town because they're trying to investigate uh, the author Sutter Kane. Yeah. And it turns out... Well, I don't want to spoil it in the Mouth of Madness. Go watch it. It's a great movie. Yeah. I'll have to show it to you at some
2: point. But it also is about, like, the nature of arts mm-hmm. in, in relation to reality and a movie is made at some point in the film.
0: Uh, Bellinger offers to pay all of Kirby's expenses, mm-hmm. plus $100,000 on top, and Kirby will get to show the film for two weeks at his theater. And Kirby says 200000 Exactly. And again, I don't think Norman Reedus is doing a lot of great acting in this scene.
2: No, uh, you said he. Well, I think I think it's one of his better points in the movie. I think that there are, I think it's one of his better spots. It's not his best spot in the film. That comes later, but uh, it is one of his better moments. I just I just think that compared to his performance in the rest
0: of the film, this is one of his better spots. I don't see it. It's just, it's, and again, he seems like a lovely man. Sure. Apparently, on the commentary for Boondock Saints 2, mm-hmm. All Saints Day. By the way, if you don't know who Norman Reedus is, yeah. He's Daryl on The Walking Dead. Yep. And he was one of the brothers in the Boondock Saints movie. Everyone's favorite white
2: supremacist, Daryl. Yes.
0: That was his brother. Daryl's definitely also a white supremacist. Come on. I don't know. <laughs> okay. I don't want to disparage Daryl. <laughs> might sue us for slander. (laughs) The fictional character might sue us for slander. I'm not going to take any chances, (laughs) but uh, on the commentary for Boondock Saints 2, All Saints Day, Mm -hmm. apparently uh, Troy Duffy and Sean Patrick Flannery were being pretty gross, and Norman Reedus did not join in, so I respect them for that. Good being gross to women and talking about uh, throwing ejaculate at people multiple times. Oh my god. So uh, Norman Reedus is a cat
2: named Eyes in the Dark who was named by his kid because that's all they could see of him when they first opened the box uh, and, and found the, the kitten. And it's it's just very cute. It's a very cute name.
0: Norman Reedus to me was just barely reacting. To, we talked about this this yep. weird thing. I think you could replace Norman Reedus with a jack-o'-lantern on a broom handle and you would get roughly the same performance. You don't yeah. even have to carve that jack-o'-lantern a lot. <laughs> Just like two eyes, a nose, slit of a mouth. Uh, yeah, yeah. Just put like... a Pomeranian up top and call it a day. <laughs> sure. Oh, and by the way, if LaFont Absolute Dumont sounds exactly like Antrum to you, <laughs> you're not wrong. Well, I mean, they did They did compare it to they, John Carpenter's TV movie... Kind of have to. ...Cigarette Burns and Verbinski's The Ring. We see Kirby's theater, The Vaux, which is currently playing Deep Red, a.k.a. Profondo Rosso, by Dario Argento. Mmm. Kirby thinks about his dead wife. He does. They both shared an enthusiasm for heroin. Yes, they did. And there's a parallel throughout the movie of the self-destructive addiction of drugs... Yep. Uh, with the addiction in pursuit of LaFont Absolute Demon. Yeah. Kirby's projectionist comes in to inform him that the showing is almost over. And that he has removed a f- single frame from the film, which contains a cigarette burn. Yeah. Kirby asks him why he does that, and he says, whenever you see one of these, it means something's about to happen. If you remove them, then you get anarchy. Doesn't really make sense. It's just a weird side nerd character thing. It is, but the projectionist should know this, that cigarette burns, <laughs> aka Q marks, yeah. just mean a real change is coming. Right, yeah. So I don't it really is just making it more anarchic for people like him. Exactly. So it's just making
2: yeah, just making the projectionist's job harder. Yes.
0: Yeah. <laughs> uh, this character is named Timpson. Yeah. He is played by Chris Gautier. Mm -hmm. Who has been a regular in a lot of stuff He was the toy man on Smallville Oh yeah, yeah He He did a good job on that show He's a regular in Once Upon a Time and Eureka He is not the
2: same Gautier Who did Somebody somebody that I I used to know
0: No And I had to watch about eight different videos Before I could get a pronunciation of the man's name (laughs) Uh, Just to be sure Sure Later Kirby flashes back To the time when his hella junky wife (laughs) Uh, like
2: the, okay. Uh, Norman Reedus is not a very good actor in this movie. No, the lady playing his wife is far worse. She is. <laughs> she is awful. <laughs> Whereas Norman Reedus's problem is that he underacts a uh, quite a bit, and when he does try and spring for like the bigger emotions, he sometimes misses. Most of the times, misses. Uh, she overacts
0: every goddamn scene she's in. I agree. <laughs> but I think maybe a little a little of it might have been direction. It might
2: have been. Because John Carpenter is not known for having movies with
0: tremendous acting in them. No. <laughs> and I think a little of it might have been makeup. Because this woman is the sweatiest woman I've ever seen. Like, there's a gloss on her... And it's um, only in this scene. It's this scene where they're they're asking
2: her father for money, and they both look like the most obvious heroin fiends yes. in the
0: world. She is like, you know, are you aware of the internet phenomenon? Well, where people will take a thing or a concept and make an anime girl version of it, and it'll be like Windows Chan or um, No COVID Chan. No, COVID-chan. she is like heroin Chan. She looks like. <laughs> She looks like if you went to Central Casting and was like, "I need a heroin addict," but like dial it up to eleven, she is what you would get. And and here's where, like you said, they're trying to get her father to fund Kirby's Xanadu-esque 800 seat theater that will only show cult movies. She's his heroin
2: addict, Olivia Newton John. Yes,
0: his wife's named Annie, played by Zara Taylor. Mm-hmm. And his Her father is Walter Played by Gary Yeah Heatherington Who's on the Snowpiercer Television show Oh fun But yeah She's trying to get money From her, her father And this man Has every reason To say no I mean he's looking
2: Like she's literally Like Not only is the makeup But like she's like Scratching her arms she's,
0: Yeah She's doing everything Out of the playbook For an addict She She's like Just a minute away From wearing a shirt That says I heart heroin <laughs>
2: And it's literally like a a a a a, a uh, damn it a, a yin yang thing because she's standing right next to Norman and
0: Norman is doing nothing, which I thought worked for this scene. Because it does. It does. If work for my scene. junking girlfriend was begging her father for two hundred thousand dollars while we're both clearly addicted to heroin, yeah, yeah, I would be like, this isn't great either. I'd be like. <laughs> I might be high on junk, but I'm still a little ashamed of this situation. <laughs> and the dad says,
2: okay, honey, go into the other room. We're yeah. going to deal with the situation,
0: whatever that is. We're going to hash this out. And he gives him the money. Yeah. And he says, get your shit together. Get her shit together. Here's an idea. Maybe that's step one. And then maybe the 200000 is a reward. Maybe, yeah,
2: maybe he's like, hey... Maybe I send both of you to rehab instead, and you guys get clean. And when if you can come out and stay clean, you get the theater. I'll pay for it now if there's like a, a, a time limit thing, and I will hold on to it and give it to you since apparently I'm this rich. Yeah.
0: No, that would make a lot more sense.
2: Yeah. Uh, but you know, as, as, as we find out, this not only is Norman Reedus was Norman Reedus not the best husband. But this guy is not the best dad. No. Yeah. He's,
0: he's kind of a, a selfish, emotionally abusive fuck. And then in the present, mm-hmm. Walter confronts Kirby about the money he owes. Yeah. Walter tells him he has one week before he's going to come and tear the place down. Yeah. You also see that Walter has a gun. Yes. He, which he, he threatens uh,
2: Kirby with. He shows it to him he says i'm going to come here and tear this down while showing him the gun so the idea is that it's it's he's going to take a literal pound of flesh like that's the implication that he's that i took from that scene yeah 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 it, i can see it it's hard to come off as oh i'm just going to take you for everything you have when you're brandishing a gun well he could have been showing off his
0: belt <laughs> look at this belt look at my belt <laughs> look at how well my pants are staying up
2: and Norman Reedus gives a speech about how he doesn't want the guy around anymore. He's doing everything he can to get him out of his life because he already sees his wife's face every day. He doesn't need this guy around reminding him of her death, which we see in flashbacks is because she's
0: wrists in the bathtub. Now, if this were a sitcom... <laughs> these, like Martin. These two would be living together. <laughs> And they'd be sort of processing the death together yeah. while trying to run this movie theater. It's like full house. It's, yeah. it's ev- every episode ends every episode that
2: in the third act has like a, a slow music segment where they talk about their feelings.
0: And and it could have all the cast from the movie like Mr. Yeah. Bellinger could be Kirby's boss, and like most shows it'll ignore the continuity of the movie. Right. So Mr. Bellinger's still alive. He's still alive. He's like and every week he has some new creature he's torturing, like <laughs> caught a phoenix, and I just keep throwing water at
1: it. <laughs>
0: it douses its flame,
2: <laughs> and once again, like in Martin, the dad is played by Abe Bogoda.
0: <laughs> yeah, he's I could see like a Brian Cranston. Oh, for that's, that's that's even that's actually and, better uh, because we can't get Norman Reedus for the show. Right, I'm gonna say. Millie Bobby Brown, <laughs> straight off of her, her award
2: winning turn as Enola Holmes. Yeah, I think she yeah, could step into this role. And step into the role.
0: Bring uh, the gravitas to a thirty year thirty some former junkie.
2: <laughs> she just has she just has like a, an eyeliner pencil drawn
0: on dirt stash, <laughs> like a kid going to a Halloween party as Zorro. Kirby follows his first lead, a film critic named Myers. Mm -hmm. Played by Chris Britton, who voiced Soichiro Yagami in the English dub of Death Note. Oh, fun. And Mr. Sinister on the 90s X-Men. Oh, that's great! He scared the shit out of me as a kid. I never saw any of his episodes, at least not that I remember. Oh, man, no.
2: He he was creepy as fuck. And he was also the grossest thing I'd ever seen at the time. Really? Yeah. I don't know
0: what Mr. Sinister's deal is. Does Mm
2: -hmm. he have, like... He is a mutant, of course, but his his thing is that he wants to escalate the mutation of mutants to the next level. He wants to be the progenitor of, of the next stage of mutation. And he believes that, for some reason, Cyclops and Jean Grey's kids are what he needs in order to create that. The thing that freaked me out about him was that he did a lot of psychological torturing of characters it's some actual torturing of characters and all of his science was like biomechanical science with like like all these worms he would pull out of shit and put into people's bodies and have them tied up and slimy and all his teeth coming out of weird places. It was so fucked up. It's gross as shit. It was gross as shit. It's like a Cronenberg movie. Yeah, it was like a sanitized for kids, badly animated Cronenberg movie.
0: Guess who my favorite x Men is. Who's your favorite X-Man? The Blob.
2: <laughs> Funny, I thought you were going to say uh, a Cyclops. Do you have any other questions about Heaven? Uh, I guess... Um, I, I'm still trying to fathom this fucking button thing, man. Like, do, do you eat? Do you eat buttons? I...
0: The only food in heaven... Uh-huh. Is Long John Silver's. <laughs> I think... That doesn't sound like heaven. That sounds like... That sounds like hell. No. 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 <laughs> in hell, the only food is... Dogs. Live dogs. Dogs. <laughs> Okay, that does sound like hell.
2: What the dogs do to end up there? Or do all dogs go to hell?
0: All dogs go to hell because they don't get baptized. <laughs> Baptize your dogs.
2: They roll around in water and shit all the time. It's not blessed. <laughs> so all animals need to be baptized too?
0: Just dogs. Just dogs? Every other animal goes to valhalla <laughs> Wait so heaven and
2: valhalla are separate places Yeah So so cats go to valhalla Yes Is is that also where all the norsemen go They go to Marvel
0: Valhalla
2: <laughs> The norsemen go to, to Valhalla from the Marvel universe Yes whereas all the animals go to the They Norse. go to Valhalla, valhalla.
0: 616 <laughs> Shut the fuck up, Christopher. Shut the fuck up. Kevin's stupid and so are you. You're making my head hurt. Jesus Christ. The critic had seen Le Fan Absolute de Monde. Uh He wrote a review of it. Which Kirby read on the plane ride over. Yes. And he interviewed Bakovic. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: And Bakovic told him that it wasn't just a film, it was a weapon. Yes. And he intentionally made the movie to drive people mad. Yeah. We also learned that this reviewer is still trying to write a follow-up review. Yep. And his house is filled with pages and pages and pages of this review. And this is he's become the Renfield to the movie's Dracula. And the movie doesn't spend a lot of time on this, but it's such a great detail that the madness affects people in different ways. It's not always fatal. Yeah. It can but it will ruin your life. Yeah. No matter what. It's the it's the first legitimately,
2: like, spooky bit. Like, aside from the angel, uh, this it, it really ramps up the, the tension about what the hell is Kirby getting into. This is fucked up. And the, yeah, the guy's been writing this review the entire time. He's got stacks on stacks on stacks of paper all over the place. He says that he failed in his first review because he was supposed to be the film's messenger, the film's apostle. And he failed... When writing that review. And uh, the first time I watched it, I thought he'd been trying to write a review and had been, and all of these other papers were abandoned copies. But this time, the impression I got was that it was all the same review. Yeah. That he's it's just that long yes. that he's been writing it. And yet somehow, Kirby's able to pull a random page off of one stack, read a line, and the guy recites it from memory as he's saying it. The entire review is in this guy's head. Yes. Uh, almost as if the review. Has been just cycling through his head forever, and he's just writing it down. What the the muse is telling him to say. Yeah, it's great. It's, it's it's a wonderful. I love shit like this. This is the shit when you're when we were talking about Lovecraft in the Necronomicon episode. This is the kind of shit that Lovecraft does that I fucking love. Oh,
1: absolutely.
0: Yeah,
2: and and in, and in, in this is a very
0: Lovecraftian story, and I fucking love it. It's great. Yeah. Myers gives Kirby a copy of his interview with the director. Later, Kirby is listening to the recording. He says, this will change your life. Yes. Yeah. And again, here's the echoes of just being a movie enthusiast and hunting the weird stuff. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, we started this podcast. Brad looked, turned to me and said, "This will change your life." Yes, <laughs> it's, and it's it's the classic like, bro, you gotta watch this. It's gonna blow your mind. Yeah, except in this case, it's literal. Yes, yeah, but it, it's all just a metaphor for that hunt and again, addiction mm-hmm. and and as Kirby's listening to it, a cigarette burn appears in reality. Yeah, a bright glowing orange oval suddenly appearing before him. He jolts up and goes to the bathroom, where he sees his wife, Annie, in the tub with slit wrists. Yeah. Then he wakes up for real.
2: Yeah. So he's starting to get, the movie is already starting to fuck with him. Yes. Whether he realizes it or not. And it's just subtle enough that even the viewer
0: can say, oh, it was just a nightmare. A, exactly.
2: Yeah. But no, no, the movie's starting to
0: reach out and affect him. Later, Kirby goes to talk to a friend who seems to work at some sort of film archive.
2: Yeah. Uh, Wasn't
0: entirely clear on what that the was. The movie is not clear. Okay. And it's there's some... place that researchers go when they're trying to find things. And this is another one of the few weaknesses of the movie is... hmm It's not always clear where we are, what this place is... Yeah. ...what the location is. It's not a huge deal. Sure. It mostly just comes up with this, but... The movie could be a little clearer at times. point is it's a guy who can help him find the thing. Exactly. And he sort of leads Kirby on. Yeah. Kirby comes back to confront him. We learn that this man, Henri... Yes. Who
2: has been a friend of Kirby's for years, apparently. Yes. And Kirby has never once asked about the fact that he's never seen the guy's left hand. (laughs) Well, I've never seen Napoleon's hand either. I figured it was a French thing. <laughs> That's an actual line in the movie. No, yeah. it's not. But yet, no, it turns out the guy has always kept his left hand in his pocket throughout all of his association with Kirby because his hand is burned into a solid mass of flesh. It's fused together,
0: and that mm-hmm. happened when he was a projectionist at a private screening of yep. Le Fond absolue de Mol, and he averted his eyes before it began, But he tried to stop the film. When he heard the screaming. Yes. And it burnt him. So he's trying to warn Kirby off. Yep. But eventually he gives Kirby the name of someone who has connections
2: to the Bakovic estate. And he does so when Kirby admits that he starts seeing cigarette burns in real life. So he realizes, oh shit, it's too late for Kirby. He's already in this. So he has to go as far as he can go. And yeah, so he, he goes to see this person... And he meets this man at a secluded barn. He meets this man. He, he's taken there by a lady taxi driver. Kaylee uh, knows some French, so I asked him what he said to the taxi driver as he walked away. And Kaylee told me that his accent when he was saying the French words was so bad she couldn't tell where one word began and one word ended. <laughs> which seems like that 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 tracked for me. Yeah, I don't see Norman Reedus being uh, <laughs>
0: proficient in French.
2: Yeah. Exactly. That's not a skill
0: set that he needs. No.
2: <laughs> but yeah, so Norman comes goes into this
0: warehouse. And he's greeted by two Hulking goons. Two yeah. The two of the gooniest goons I've ever seen. <laughs> that was some good goon casting.
2: Some good goon casting. And a third guy who also looks like a goon, who's actually the boss. And
0: the tallest guy there. And he looks like he looks like if Terrence Stamp, as General Zod, <laughs> was playing Woody Harrelson in a biopic. <laughs> sure. That's that's sure. Why not? Go or for, back in look, and you'll agree.
2: <laughs> but the guy is this French cinema lover. It's it's like if someone This character is if someone listened to this show and said, I'm going to turn that into a slasher villain. <laughs> and that this is the character you would get out of that. He's like the pinhead of weird movies. Yes. He's, I've got such sights to show you, talking about art and capturing something real, the artifice of Hollywood and all that pretentious shit that we never stop talking about. Exactly. Except he's
0: taken it a step too far. Exactly. As we see... Uh, Several steps too far. <laughs> uh, we see a wooden crate with the film's name on it. Yeah. The man said he wanted to make film, but he detests falseness. Yes. Uh, he would rather die than make something false. hmm Kirby opens the crate and shuffles through some pictures. We see the creature from before with its wings attached. Yeah,
2: a number of what we find out later are screenshots from the film. There, We see that the film incorporates black and white and color. There's some there. uh, This great image of trees, black and white trees in the foreground, and a red sky in the background. The
0: sky is sort of uh, chroma keyed in very weirdly. Yeah, and it's this great image. It's it's awesome. It's 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 almost like the sky is oozing red. Yeah,
2: yeah. It's It's so fucking
0: good. And we just see we just see it for a few frames, a couple times. Yeah, and it's so good. Kirby is seized and drugged. When he wakes up, he's on an impromptu film set. Just lights, camera, a woman duct taped to a chair. And this is my possibly
2: my favorite scene in the entire movie. I think it's definitely the best scene in the entire movie. There's one other scene that competes with it for my favorite scene, but I think it's definitely the best scene.
0: This is the scene where Norman Reedus is acting? This is this is definitely Norman Reedus' best scene. This is the day he showed up to set, or this is the day John Carpenter was like, come on, Norm, we want to get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, But boy. the man from before is shirtless, he has mm-hmm. a leather mask, yep. and he's wielding a machete. Yep, which he refers, which he compares to
2: the, the slicer from an editing the table. The slicer from an editing table. I almost wish he had used the slicer from an editing table.
0: That would have been great. That
2: would have been, been amazing. It would have been amazing. If you have not seen an editing table, the slicer on an editing table is terrifying. It looks like something that, that uh, Leatherface would use. Imagine
0: an old school paper cutter blade, Yeah, but wider. Yeah, it's 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 pretty scary. Uh, he hacks off the woman's head as the camera rolls. In an incredible effect. Yeah, it's really it's a good. Fan- one of the best
2: decapitations I've ever seen.
0: Uh, proclaiming he believes in truth. Yeah. He has turned her into art. It's all one take. There's a power to point the camera at something terrible. Mm-hmm. And Norman Reedus' best bit, he, he takes off the gag and Kirby is screaming... It's
2: just murder. No, he said, "This is just power and putting pu- putting a camera at something horrible." I said, "No, there's not." <laughs> and
0: Kaylee and I cracked up. Yeah, <laughs> it was great because that's, and I think that's really an important line for the movie. It's where, yeah, where it fetishizes this, even though it's not real. Yeah, this extreme act as if it is something so powerful. Yeah. But it's the it, horror of the act that gives it its power. It's not that the act itself is inherently worth yes. something. It's it's It,
2: it goes into this, this, this fetishization, I think you already use that word, fetishization, in, especially in America, but all over the world, of capturing something true, yes. capturing something real. And we talk about that in, 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 in theater, in film, capturing something real. When we say that, we mean capturing a facsimile of something real. We don't necessarily mean capturing a real horrible moment happening to someone. There are moments this and this has, has transgressed into this, this fetishization of method acting and having real things happen. Sometimes it's effective to trick an actor into having a real reaction. Like when they trick child actors into acting better by it, uh, surprising them with things. And
0: we will discuss that when yeah. we eventually talk about The Fall. Sure. By Tar-Sum Singh, because yeah. that is a part of their method for that with the young actress in that film.
2: Yeah, that's that's effective with child
0: actors because child actors can't act. they children. there's also an ethical thing with that where it's like... Yes. But let's say that conversation for that episode. Sure, but like... Uh, there's this the method actors which is not
2: uh, connected to the fall it, it, it really bug me because there's this there's this wh- whole idea of you need to actually experience a thing in order to act the thing you need and and people like daniel day-lewis certain aspects of robert de niro's career even though i fucking love robert de niro jared leto piss me off because they're putting other people at a disadvantage, and other people at... Uh, out. When everyone's just trying to do their goddamn job.
0: Exactly. If your method involves being a dick to people, making yeah. things difficult for other people, mm-hmm. or harassing people, in the case of Jared Leto... Or even
2: putting your own life at risk, in, in the cases, as some accounts have said that Heath Ledger did, yeah. when he played the Joker, uh, it's not worth it. No. It's not fucking
0: worth it. It's My take has always been that there's an inescapable artifice to, whether it's theater or film... Yeah. ...where you are never going to fully overcome, except on very rare, transcendent occasions, mm-hmm. you are never fully going to forget, I am viewing something fake. Sure. You are constrained by the edges of the audience, the edges of the screen. There is going to be something. You can get sucked in, you can get engaged, yeah. but there is always going to be a barrier. Right. People don't like... Van Gogh's
2: Starry Night because they look at it and think that they're looking at a window Yeah, they like it because it communicates the idea of a night sky to them in a beautiful
1: exactly.
0: incredible way I think you need to lean into the artifice and construct that with, with construct things with that in mind instead of trying to tear it down entirely art is uh, artifice not life alright So this might end up getting cut out. Okay. But it's on my mind for whatever reason. Uh Uh-huh. Because I was just going, ding dong, ding dong. Sure. And it made me think of this incredibly stupid bit I do to myself at work. Okay. Where I imagine that I have a Kickstarter campaign for my rendition of popular songs done entirely on bells. (laughs) But because I obviously don't have the bells, because I need the money from the Kickstarter campaign, right. which would be ludicrously priced. Right. I would perform the songs using empty water bottles <laughs> and making the noises with my mouth. So, "Boys of Summer" would be "da da da ding ding dong, da 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 dong dong ding," and it would just be me with these water bottles, like pretending like I'm ringing a bell. And I do this at work in my mind. Uh huh. Probably 15 hours every <laughs> week. Just a song will come in my head. I'm like, what would this sound like if I were making bell noises? <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, that's the thing I do. Yeah. We Great. Were, we were also outside talking about. Uh, many things, but one we got on the topic of Hellraiser, Mm -hmm. and I got to thinking, the Cenobites have all those chains and hooks. Yes. Do you think they ever were like, let's just start a towing company? (laughs) (laughs) Fuck all this torturing human stuff. (laughs) Let's help them get their cars out of ditches. (laughs) Now that's what I call pleasure.
2: <laughs> the Cenobites become—that's this—is Repo Man versus <laughs> Hellraiser, and the the, the Cenobites start up their own repossessing business, where they're just they're
0: just towing the cars everywhere. It's the Cenobites and the Rodriguez brothers. <laughs> we have such cars to repo. <laughs> <laughs> Hermanos Rodriguez don't approve of torture. (laughs) So at this point, the man explicitly says that the creature is an angel and was sacrificed on film. The act Mm -hmm. was so evil, doing such a heinous thing to a completely pure creature, Mm -hmm. that witnessing it drives people mad.
2: And uh, he does this while getting oh, so far up in Norman Reedus's grill. Oh, yeah, he's in his lap. In his lap. He's, like, slightly grinding on him, I think, even. And you see at this point, this man is so obsessed with movies that he has tattoos of film strips running up his arms, which is so weird and lame. It's almost cool, but I can't... It's not quite there.
0: I mean, if this were a cool character and not just... Some pretentious shit dude, then yeah, it could be cool. Yeah. I didn't notice that detail. That's, that's I, interesting. Oh, I
2: only just noticed it this time, but yeah, he's got film strips tattooed up his arms.
0: <laughs> it like, would be great if like there were actual like images on the negative and it was for oh shit Oh my god. It was for shit like top secret with Val Kilmer. <laughs> like this dude loved just dumb movie. <laughs> no, it's the stupids. <laughs> <laughs> he, has, he has a full back tattoo of the poster of Little Nicky. <laughs> Just not even the worst
2: movies ever made. Just really innocuous shit. Like the sequel to A Christmas
0: Story. <laughs> <laughs> Summer Story. He's got his ankle. Direct-to-DVD is the purest you can get. <laughs> Have you
2: seen the Wolfman? No, but I've seen Werewolf Among Us. <laughs> or just like Asylum films, like Transformers. <laughs> Transformers. Abraham versus Abraham Lincoln versus zombies is the only true art. Oh man! Uh, this, join us for our spinoff podcast, One Thousand Wives of Mediocre. <laughs>
0: And, again, I fucking love this concept. This is such a gnarly metal thing. Like, Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Torture an angel for a movie. Sure. Fuck it. Whatever. Right. Yeah. Uh, Kirby has more cigarette burn flashes, <laughs> after which he finds himself free, holding a machete. Yeah, he blacks
2: it, out for a, a time. Yes.
0: And, his ca- and he finds his captor bleeding to death.
2: And he's holding the machete. And, yeah. And there's a slit in his captor's throat which he then sticks his fucking
0: fingers into. While he's interrogating him. While he's interrogating him. Holy shit! And yeah, that's that's brutal. Yeah. But I don't know. Kirby doesn't seem like that kind of man. Although I guess it's the ex- escalation of his hunt. I
2: felt like it was just, he was in such an extreme situation. Uh, here's, here's another way that you could have done that scene. Uh, because he flashes out and then comes back, comes to, with all of them dead, or wounded, as in the case of his captor. He could have come awake with his fingers already in there and the guy screaming the information he wanted to know.
0: Here's where I think the movie could benefit with some extra time, like if it were to be mm-hmm. fleshed out to a full feature. Like, seeing Kirby descendant brutality, yeah, like the creator of the film like the film subject matter. Sure, a little bit more because this is like I said it's brutal and it's an effective moment, mm-hmm. but again, I don't and it's a very special circumstance where this man was going to kill him and you've seen him kill. Yeah. But I still think a little bit more build up to that would have been great.
2: The problem with Kirby in general as a character is that he's not well, Yeah, exactly. So so the film oscillates between presenting Kirby as a Blank slate audience participation character, where you as an audience member are supposed to put your yourself into the character. So a lot of the reason why you and I think he wouldn't do that is because you and I wouldn't do that. Because true, like, and, and we're supposed to see ourselves in Kirby, but Kirby also has this whole shit with his wife, and uh, the thing with putting his fingers in there and be and 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 all this stuff, which say which speak to a much darker, more noir-esque character uh, a morally gray figure uh, and the movie needs to decide which one it's going to go with and, and, and stick to it because um,
0: but again they are only working with an hour exactly yeah that is true how how do you feel how does the detective aspect of this story work for you as a big fan of Sherlock Holmes and sure.
2: I mean, it's it's definitely much more in in line with like Philip Marlowe or Sam Spade. Yeah, it's it's more noir. Where not only in, in in noir, you mentioned Sherlock Holmes. The reason why I like Sherlock Holmes is that it gives you uh, as as a as a viewer a chance to feel smart by introducing you to this this way of thinking and 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 trying to find the details uh, in in the in the frame and and, try and piece together what the mystery is. Sam Spade, Philip Marlowe. Kirby, Magnum P.I., characters like that, they don't uh, solve mysteries. They get dragged along and are revealed mysteries over time. Uh, And that is more what happens to Kirby. He does track things down and investigate them, but as a viewer, you are not... other than remembering the address that was on the envelope he looks at in the box earlier in the scene, which is how he finds... Uh, the, the widow of the director of, of yes. this movie you are not rewarded for s- spying out extra little details like you would in a Sherlock Holmes mystery or even a Scooby-Doo mystery
0: no, very true, this is not a you-solve-it mystery No, this is a this is more of a, a conspiracy
2: that is revealed layer by layer yeah. to our protagonists, again, much like the Maltese Falcon or the Big Sleep and stuff like that
0: but does the detective angle work for you? Does it is oh, yes. this
2: an enjoyable detective story? Absolutely. I, th- I think so. I think, the again, the biggest problem with it is that part of the mystery is, is this supernatural or is it not? Yeah. And when we see an angel at the
0: beginning of the movie, we already know exactly. <laughs> it's supernatural. <laughs> but again, I, and here's where I wonder, if this were a feature, would that be structured differently because... Mm-hmm. Once Kirby learns that it is, in fact, an angel, the reveal of an angel has less impact. Whereas at the start of the movie, we're like, what the fuck is this thing supposed to be? And maybe we put it together, two and two, the angel wings the angel. Mm-hmm. But there we're like, okay, there's some creepy shit going on. I already know that. But this big factor is out of the way for later.
2: Uh, I guess there's an argument for that. I think that if they had revealed the angel at the end right before he leaves Udo Kier to watch the movie, mm. uh, he, it would have been more effective than having it at the beginning. Because I think that having the wings there and then saying, oh, he killed an angel would put in the audience's mind, wait, he had wings. Angel? What's going on? And then you would get to see... And then you would be like a Norman Reedus's character. You'd be like Kirby in that... Well, Udokir creeps me out, but maybe it's just because he's German. Maybe I'm just being uh, xenophobic. But then later on in the movie, uh, suddenly you see he's got a creature that he's torturing yes. uh, in his house. And that's when you realize, shit, and Kirby can leave him with the movie and just drive away.
0: And then, of course, be drawn back later by other things. But again, at that point, you would already know that that creature is an angel. <laughs> and it's mm. just the surprise is just like oh it's still alive not holy shit there's an angel involved with this what the fuck is going on
2: true that is, that is a good point
0: I also think upon thinking about it more that it's a solution to a logic problem where it's like this movie is so rare it supposedly doesn't exist mm-hmm. why would Kirby spend his time trying to t- track down something that by all accounts does not exist mm-hmm. we need some way for that the question of certainty to be answered. Sure. And what's, and how can we do that in the supernatural way that's also sort of creepy? Oh, this creature, whatever it may be, wink, wink, mm-hmm. is bound to this film. Or, uh, again, to play Devil's Advocate,
2: you could go the other way and do, uh, and, and kind of ripping on um, Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, have the incredibly rich man say, I'm going to pay you this sum of money and get you out of the hole that you're in with your business regardless of the results that you get. But you have to put in the work to find it. If you don't find it, then I will die knowing that no one else is going to see it anyway, but you'll still get your money. If you do find it, you get the money, and you get to show the movie at your theater, and uh, you get an extra bonus or something like that.
0: That's a much simpler... Solution. Yeah. Yeah. Cryptozorp, what would you do? I would make Caddyshack 2, the only movie in heaven. (laughs) Cryptozorp, I'm getting real
2: tired of your shit.
0: Every (laughs) night we get Long John Silver's and watch (laughs) Caddyshack 2.
2: Coming soon to 1000 Wives of Mediocre. Actually, Caddyshack 2 is so awful. It's almost a 1000 Wives, a weird entry.
0: I've been thinking about it. I haven't mm-hmm. seen it, but. I've
2: seen enough of it. I know it's terrible, where yeah. I'm sort of curious to see it. That's an est- airplane 2. It's established in that movie that the the na 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 Chevy Chase kept, kept doing in the first one yeah. is an actual magic power
0: he has. Oh, great. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Is Chevy Chase in Caddyshack 2? Yes. Oh, okay. He's the only returning cast member, I think. Is yeah. he in a lot of it? No. I can't imagine he would be. No,
2: and he looks like he wants to die in every scene that he's in. He looks in. like
0: Bill Murray Felt in Ghostbusters?
2: <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. He he he. he he's, his best line in the movie is he looks at his blank wrist and is like, oh, I've got a
0: thing, and then he little walks off frame. The Kristen Wiig <laughs> Ghostbusters is my favorite movie. Oh, shut up.
2: <laughs> Speaking of A
0: Thousand Wives of Mediocre again, Jesus Christ. Uh, before Kirby's captor dies, he utters the name Katya, which turns out to be Katya mm-hmm. Uh And Kirby goes to visit her. Yes. Bakovic, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. On the elevator ride up, Kirby has another vision of Annie. He strokes her cheek and very flatly tells her she's not real. Yes. You're not real. You're not real. Which, now, is that an interesting acting choice? Is Kirby already jaded to the visions? Or does he love murder too much to care about (laughs) ghosts? Or is it just bad acting? Like, I didn't. Because it's an interesting take. Yeah. That's an interesting line reading. Yeah, it is. The obvious choice would be to very scared go, you're not real. You're not real. Right. But I'm going to say it was direction. Okay. I think it was
2: direction from John Carpenter to say, at this point, he's gone in so deep that he uh, is no longer reacting to things the way that you
0: or I would. And this is another place where more time would show that better. That is, a, yeah, I think that that's absolutely true. Uh, Inside her apartment, Katja tells Kirby uh, he's the first to ever make it this far. Mm-hmm. She warns him about the movie, tells him all the stories are true. Yes. She says it's like no ordinary film. And Kirby says, my favorite line in the whole thing, which I need to rip for our intro, Yeah, I don't want to see an ordinary film. I want to see something extraordinary. Mm-hmm. Which sums up the whole conceit of this podcast, Yes, which is we don't want to see something that's for the course, yeah, show me something that I've never seen before, right? Kirby should have just fucking watched Meet the Hollowhead. It's it's the same, it's it's it's
2: something extraordinary, it, it is. and yet at the same time, you don't die afterwards, <laughs> exactly. you're
0: just very confused, a little angry for like 48 hours. <laughs> but and this part ended up getting cut out of Repo Man because Repo Man was running along, but okay, um. The farther we get from Hollow Heads, the more I love it. Yeah. <laughs> the more I'm like, God bless that film.
2: <laughs> I'm just happy it exists. I don't think I'm ever going to watch it again, but I'm very happy
0: that, that someone made it. I might. I <laughs> might at some point. Yeah. Kirby asks the very bizarre question, who produced the film? Yeah. Yeah. Which is not the question I would ask. And she says, does it matter? And he says, I just want someone to say it. Which is an interesting line. Yeah. Before that, Kirby says, do you have a copy of the film? Yeah. And she says, that's not the question you want to ask. Actually, that's exactly the question he wants to ask. Because <laughs> that's the entire fucking reason he's there. But yeah. no. So, but then his follow-up question is, who produced the film? Was it the devil? Is what he says. And she has a great line. Yeah. I asked Hans the same question many times. The producers of this film produce many other things. Chaos, sorrow, suffering, famine. And again, just metal as shit.
2: Yeah, and that, okay, that's when he says, was it the devil? And she says, "There's it's just evil. It's just evil. There's no name Why for it. Why put a name
0: on it? Why put a name on it? Evil and is evil. Did you stop... And think about what this uh, pitch meeting would be like between Bakovic and the devil.
2: Well, again, I think that that's it's 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 an important distinction. Like Ritas says, "Is it the devil?" Because that's what that's 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 a normal thing to say in that's, that situation. That's that's
0: our framework for evil.
2: That's what our framework for evil. But she just says it's just evil, so it doesn't necessarily need to be the devil. It could be N- Niall Arthetap. Uh, I know I'm saying that wrong, but he's 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 the closest to Satan that the Lovecraft mythos has. Yeah, um, it could be uh, it could be anything. It could be Loki, the trickster god from Asgardian myth. It could be anything. Yeah, and so it, I think that that kind of nebulousness
0: is really great. Oh, it's fantastic! But there must have been a meeting. <laughs> <laughs> there must have been a meeting where Bakovic was like, "I need an angel."
2: I like to imagine that it was a very Twilight Zone-esque situation where the devil, where where he was, because Udo Kier says at the beginning of the film that he'd seen some short films made by Bakovic and he wasn't impressed. Yeah. So Bakovic at this point was a failed artiste. People were not that impressed
0: with his work So you think a portly man In a nice suit came to Bakovic And was like, well, Mr. Bakovic Looks like you're in a spot of trouble Yeah, exactly, I think it was either that I could help you out with that Yeah, so it's like a portly
2: man in a nice suit Or, or Burgess Meredith with a twisty <laughs> cigar holder But like, yeah, you want to make a movie <laughs> I,
0: just, I I got an angel you can use I got a star right here for you
1: <laughs>
2: Yeah, this angel right here if you take off his wings in a picture That'd be something Something the masses would want
0: to see, like the get them go nuts for it. Things are going nuts for it. Yeah. So you don't think Bakovic went to the meeting with the angel in his mind? That was just. Uh, I
2: think that that was
0: uh, an offer made by Burgess Meredith. Yes. Gotcha. Yeah. See, I pictured Bakovic had this vision. Let's torture mm-hmm. an angel. Let's. No one's ever done it before. He started dialing six 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 on his rotary phone. <laughs> He started dialing 666 on his rotary phone. Devil, please! (laughs) I'll see if he's available, sir. You know, Petey Wheatstraw, in in the fantastic film Petey Wheatstraw, The Devil's Uh Son-in-Law, talks to the devil quite often on a rotary phone. (laughs) Granted, the devil always calls him, Okay, and Petey is not very interested in talking to the devil. (laughs) But he doesn't does, happen. Does he say, shut up? <laughs> no, he says, thanks for calling.
2: <laughs> Fantastic need, movie, Petey Wheatstrom. I need to show you the movie. Yeah, you do. We'll probably do it for the show. Oh, fuck yeah.
0: Because I've been in love with it for like 15 years now. Uh,
2: every bit that I've seen from that movie is is tremendous.
0: Katja gotcha gives Kirby a copy of La Fond Absolute Dumont. Well,
2: first, we have to He he... She goes on this long monologue, this very long monologue about uh, how, the, how evil the movie is, how towards the end of his life, Bakovic just watched the movie over and over and over again like it was penance, and then one day just went nuts, got up, grabbed a knife, or a hatchet, or something. It was a knife. It was, it was a, a knife, knife. A kitchen knife, and slit his wife's throat and then his own, but he failed with hers, only disfiguring her throat. This long, horrible story... And at the end, Norman Reedus looks at her, and says, "Can I, can I see the film?" And she's like, "Well, it's right there. Fuck it, take it. You didn't. You're not. If you didn't. If you listen to all that, you're not gonna change anything." So he, Look, he takes the fucking film cans off the shelf. If
0: she wants to tell her fucking murder story, go see a therapist.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I didn't come for that. I came for the movie. Sweet man came here for one thing. Okay, now that we've talked about Petey Wheatstraw, Sweet Man just seems like the name of one of his one of his Like a sweet s- sweet back? Like sure. Like isn't there isn't in, in the first Dolomai movie isn't there like a guy named like the 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 hamburger mare or something like that? <laughs> hamburger pimp. Hamburger Pimp,
0: that's it. That's oh, that's man, right. I forgot about the character hamburger pimp. Oh my god. What a rich tapestry. Rudy Ray Moore <laughs> populates his world. With. So Kirby gets a copy of All Absolute Dumont. Yep. Uh, he tells her about the cigarette burns, and she says that's how powerful the movie is. Yeah. It affects you even when you're not watching it. Yeah. Kirby delivers the film to Bellinger.
2: Oh, and we should say that it, uh, as the film has been going on, the cigarette burns, when they appear to him, have been getting larger and larger. And we've started to see his wife's face in the center of the cigarette burns, almost as if they're less a cigarette burn and more like a portal that she's coming out of. Kirby delivers the film to Bellinger, who is in a tuxedo, ready to receive it. He's ready for a night at the movies.
0: He pays Kirby, and Kirby leaves. Bellinger sets up the film. Mm -hmm. Now here's the $100,000 question. Mm -hmm. Would you watch La Font Absolute Dumont? (sighs) Pfft. Well, um,
2: no. Okay.
0: I, w- I, w- I would not. That's a sensible choice. If
2: I had gone on the same journey that, uh, n- that that Kirby had in this movie, I would not watch it. I would be like, okay, this is over my head. I don't know what I'm dealing with.
0: What if I told you, mm-hmm. what, if, what if I came here and I, I had like a DVD-R of uh, LeFant. So Absolute, Absolute Dumont. Du yeah. It was like... I have this fucking rare-ass movie that apparently drives you crazy.
2: Then I would watch it. Okay. Because if you just told me that, just just that, I would be like, okay, sounds like a very weird, disturbing movie that I will eventually get over. Yes. I wouldn't think, oh, a movie produced by the concept of evil itself... (laughs) ...to to assault the audience. Like, that's that's not where my brain is going to go. Yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah. Um, I would like to think if I... And I on...
2: actually believe in angels and demons. But there you yeah, go. Yeah.
0: I would like to think that if I were on Kirby's Journey... ...that yeah. I would also not watch it. <laughs> I'm not 100%
1: sure.
2: <laughs> no, I will say... ...after going through to that much effort... ...to get a movie... There would still be a major temptation in my head to be like, I went, I went so far out of my way to find this movie. I should watch it, but like, I would still, I would still be fucked up from the shit that I'd seen.
0: Yeah, if that's all it were, if it were just the legwork, I'd be yeah. like, yeah, let's pop it in. But if I were being haunted by my past regrets and yeah. blacking out and murdering people, right, I would like to think that I'd go. Hmm, Brad, maybe not the best choice, but I have self-destructive tendencies and right. poor impulse control. I mean, don't we all? Also, not a lot to live for. You have a wife. You have a cat. For me, it'd just be like, fuck it. Might as well get high and go insane. I wonder if I wonder if pot enhances
2: the effect or diminishes the effect.
0: Well given me and my attention span I'd probably get bored 20 minutes in <laughs>
2: And just turn it off Well we know from later on The movie demands to be viewed True So you might not have a choice Once you've started it You I might mean, be
0: forced to sit through I don't know I get pretty restless
2: <laughs> Which which will win LaFonse Lou Demont Or Brad's short attention span <laughs> Tonight's in the Royal Rumble ADHD, the only
0: thing that can defeat evil <laughs> I now, finally
2: I finally put together
0: my plan to take over the world What was I thinking about? Shit <laughs> Now, here's the more important question Yeah Let's say you were 100% going to watch La Absolute Dumont Yes And you know with certainty what is on the film Okay And its effect Okay Bellinger, pop some champagne. What snacks would you have? Oh, yeah. Um. What's the best snack to go insane to? I think... Pop rocks. You get the sound, you get the sensation. Uh, it's just enhancing your mania. Yeah, I was going to say, I feel like that would actually make things worse.
2: But um, I, I think... Well, I think that would be the t- the, the moment I would try pot, because at that point, I'd be like if, if you were there and you had some yeah. I'd be like, well, you know I'm going to die anyway, either that or I'm going to kill Brad, so I might as well try some of his pot, True, because either he's going to kill me and I might as well try some before I go, or I'm going to kill him and I'm going to take it off of him Well, it doesn't I... really matter, because the pot would drive you to murderous insanity anyway but, Well, yeah, of course, yeah. that's what it does Right, that's what pot does, I've seen Reefer
0: Madness that pot makes you makes you cannibal, makes you a cannibal. I think if I were to watch LaFon Absolute Demons, knowing that I would go mad, mm-hmm. I think a lunchable would be nice because mm. of the compartments. It's all laid out for you. Like if I'm going insane, I don't want to be fucking with like trying to make a sandwich. Granted, I can prepare it before, but what if I get hungry? Right, 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 right.
2: I think... But then again, like, sometimes the Lunchables have those do-it-yourself items where
0: you have to squeeze the pizza sauce onto the crackers. This would just be like a ham and crackers and cheese thing. Oh, okay, insane, okay. Make a little sandwich. If I'm going real nuts, make a triple-decker. <laughs>
2: Depends on how far into the movie we are. <laughs> Depends
0: how far I descended to Matt. Right, exactly. I, I can think some see nice that. single malt scotch, maybe.
2: Yeah, I... Ooh, I, a
0: big burrito. Ooh, that would be nice, Yeah.
2: I guess it's sort of the question of we what would you have... like your
0: last meal to be.
2: Yeah, it's kind of that. I think yeah, I think a burrito would be a great last meal. It'd be pretty there's, good. There's a lot of good
0: stuff in a burrito. My bucket list is mostly food. Sure. Uh, I want to try a Monte Cristo sandwich. Sure. But I really want to try a turducken. Ooh, maybe yeah. this would be a good time for a turducken. Yeah, let's let's have uh, his Asian butler to prepare a turducken. Well, I assume when you're rich, all your food is several foods stuffed inside another food. (laughs) It's like a KFC famous bowl, except there's bones in between. Yeah, sure. So, (laughs) back at his theater, Kirby finds out that Walter has come and put chains on the doors. And there's also an adorable and hilarious conversation that Kirby has... With his projectionist, where he gets the exposition about what happens, why he can't get into his theater, Mm -hmm. but apparently his projectionist also asks, are you mad at me? (laughs) And Kirby goes, no, I'm not
2: mad at you. And it's one of the worst acting moments for Norman Reedus in the thing, is acting this phone conversation. Well, We watch this, again, watching this with Kaylee, we watch this see through, we get to the end and Kaylee says, phone conversations are hard. (laughs) They are, especially...
0: The entire back half of that conversation is not needed because yeah. apparently Timpson asks, "Are you angry?" When Norman Reed "Grand, it's Norman Reedus." It's hard to tell. Yeah, I'm angry. Yeah, <laughs> I'm angry. No, I'm not angry at you. That part <laughs> is not necessary. Where we, where we need to feel Timson's insecurity. <laughs> I like the character building. Yeah, not necessary.
2: No, but we see all this. Somewhat from the perspective of his father-in-law, who is in a car, sitting outside the theater, watching him. Yes. And then he immediately gets a call from... Bellinger. uh, Bellinger. Uh, It's another conversation. We don't know exactly what's going on, but he's asking him to come back.
0: Yes. So Kirby goes back to Bellinger's mansion, Mm -hmm. and he encounters Bellinger's butler, Fung, played by Colin Fu who has given himself uh, several
2: cuts all over his own body with a knife.
0: Very nice makeup. Very simple,
2: but he has all these
0: slashes. Now, these are the first lines that Fungus had in the movie. And now Colin Fu, I was looking at his credits as well, I looked into everybody's credits, did additional voices for a cartoon called Gadget and the Gadgetinis, which is... An Inspector Gadget show where okay. Inspector Gadget has been promoted to lieutenant Oh And he has two robotic sidekicks Who are just small robot Inspector Gadgets <laughs> Sounds like a nightmare What the fuck is this show? <laughs> Inspector Gadget is already terrible at his job And is consistently Saved by a nine year old child And her weird mutant dog Yeah. Why do you want Two more of those just smaller and without human emotion.
2: Oh, my God. That sounds like someone wanted to do a gadget show, but Don Adams was only... Was dead? Was either dead or not willing to do more than, like, two lines an episode. So they just had him record a couple of lines that they could reuse of him being, Gadgetinis! Can I go on the mission? And then they would send the Gadgetinis out to do it. That was pretty good. Thank you.
0: The logic just bothers me a lot. The logic
2: behind most of gadget, the gadget
0: universe, bugs me. I can only assume that this was a show where it was like, "Ah, fuck it, let's make another Inspector Gadget show." Um, uh, Kids love Inspector Gadget, so let's put more Inspector Gadget in
2: there. (laughs) And there's the only gadget spinoff I've ever seen is Inspector Gadget. young Inspector Gadget, or Inspector Gadget Jr., I don't remember what? which. Where it's either Inspector Gadget is a young man, or it's Inspector Gadget's son, I don't know which, and he's fighting the spider
0: lady well, every week. either way, if he has the Inspector Gadget in Kuchar Mall... He does. That brings to mind some terrible childhood accident where he <laughs> need to get these replacements.
2: Well, even the fact that, like, you have this niece who, who has an uncle who she's taking care of, and she's like a mechanic, and he's... It, it, it clearly shows that, like, she tried to rebuild her uncle after he died in a horrible accident and only somewhat got it right, which is why he can't
0: think straight and can't figure out that the bad guys always claw. <sighs> I guess that explains why, uh, even though Inspector Gadget is some sort of secret agent, yeah. this nine-year-old girl has security clearance to be his sidekick.
2: Right, because she's like a child prodigy.
0: Yes, Fung blames Kirby for bringing evil into the house. He brought the movie here, and says he hopes Kirby gets what he deserves before driving a knife into his eyes. Oh, it's so good! It's so good! It's so it's the sound is perfect. Yeah, the the effect is perfect. Yeah. Just squelch, squelch. Oh, man. And he, he drives it in one, sinks to his knees, and Kirby, ever the humanitarian, <laughs> walks the fuck past, and Fung drives it into the other eye. No screaming, just the act. Oh, he does. He yells. Does he? Yeah, he does. Okay. Yeah, he yells quite a bit. I guess I blocked it out.
2: <laughs> You're just as much of a humanitarian as Kirby is. Yep. I was like, yeah. I wonder
0: what Bellinger's doing. <laughs> And Kirby finds Bellinger in uh, the projection booth.
2: Bellinger is doing something with a knife yes. we can't see. And uh, A very clean knife for what it turns out he's actually doing. <laughs>
0: and when Kirby appears, he sort of stops like, Oh, time to be casual. Yeah. <laughs>
2: Bellinger. Be-
0: and oh, I'm not doing anything, Kirby. This is, this is, hello. hello, Kirby. And he says, "La Fond Absolute Dumont is not a movie. It's a preview a coming attractions for the soul.
1: Mm, which
0: doesn't mean anything, but it sounds great. It sounds fucking no, it doesn't mean it means that it's <laughs> gonna show you your sins and your punishment. Oh yeah, 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 of course. Uh, Bellinger had called Kirby because he wanted him to find another movie, which I call shenanigans. On. <laughs> you wanna see another movie after you saw the Angel Torture movie? Like what the fuck do you wanna see? What what is there left? <laughs>
2: All there th- there is left after that is Meet the Hollowheads. Yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I need to see Avengers Two, Age of Ultron.
2: <laughs> That's that is episode ten of, of A Thousand Wives of the Mediocre. <laughs> um,
0: but uh, But he no longer needs whatever movie he wanted. Because he feels inspired. He's been inspired. Mm-hmm. He's made his own movie. And we see That he has been feeding his guts into the projector. It's so great. He flips the machine on, and he's rapidly disemboweled as his intestines twirl around the film reels.
2: Oh, it's great. It's such a great effect. And this is probably my favorite scene. Oh, absolutely. It's it's either this or the decapitation scene, but I think this is it. This is... Oh, my God. And I will say, Udo Kier is almost always killed in his movies. And he says that he likes it. He likes dying in movies, although he pref- he would prefer to be in a sequel at least once, he says. But uh, he-, he says he loves dying, but he says this is his greatest death. Oh, I absolutely because agree. Because it's never been, as far as he was aware, it's never been done in any movie before, and he gets to become the movie. <laughs> Which is wonderful.
0: Hollow movie. Now I am you. <laughs> And this Udo
2: a, Kier has become the movie. This is an
0: image that will always stick with me. Like, mm-hmm. this is the image... I, I remember... It was a while before I watched Cigarette Burns again. I yeah. remember loving it. But this movie stuck with me Consist Or this image of the, the intestines the in the projector stuck with me forever. And I think when yeah. I showed this to you, yeah. I, like... That was something that I told you then. is like, yeah, this is... Something I will remember forever because this is such yeah. an inspired death.
2: No, it's it's the main thing that I remember this for. When I've forgotten every other scene in the film, I always remember intestines in the yes. projector.
0: This is a fucking Fulci kill. This is this is <laughs> this is Carpenter like. Oh yeah, uh, sort of stretching his legs into something he didn't do a lot. He
2: didn't do a lot of
0: gore. Uh, we find out Walter has followed Kirby here. Mm-hmm. And Walter has gone mad with his desire for revenge over the death of his daughter.
2: And we find that this is not a sudden thing. Walter has been going mad in secret for quite a while. Yeah. He admits to, and by the way, in the background of the scene, we see what the intestines look like on the projector. <laughs> yes, and it's being like
0: projected.
2: It's this weird, like uh, muffled red, on, just on, on the projector screen. But anyway, uh, Walter. The reason why Walter has had so much time to fuck with Kirby lately is because he's let his entire business crumble to dust yeah. while he's been racking his mind for different ways to ruin Kirby's life.
0: And again, Walter has nobody to fucking blame but himself. He
2: Seriously. like. I mean,
0: sure, you can blame <clears throat> Kirby and possibly even Annie, although he doesn't. No. But he's the one who gave them the money. He's yeah. the one who was like... Oh, they're clearly in the cast of Train Spotting. I'm not going to do anything.
2: <laughs> yeah, he just let this happen. Like fuck, man. Yeah, but he's he's just he's 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 gone fucking nuts. And once again, and then suddenly, there's a
0: cigarette burn.
2: No. Oh. first the the projector changes reels by itself. There's no one alive anymore. No. Uh, the projector changes reels. And it turns on. It's me,
0: the ghost of the movie.
2: I'm switching <laughs> it for you, fellas. The absolute end of the world begins again, and there is a sudden cigarette burn. And both of them are very tidily in their seats, watching it, watching it. Um, Walter has been disarmed. He was about. Uh, he was about to kill Kirby and leave his body there as another pi- body on the pile, as he put it. Yeah. But now they're suddenly in their seats. The movie demands. That you sit up and pay attention. There will be no cell phone usage (laughs) during this film.
0: Fung crawls on his hands and knees, blind to Mm -hmm. let the angel free. Yeah. From a cigarette burn in La Absolute Dumont, Annie emerges completely covered in blood and naked.
2: Before that, we see quite a bit of La Absolute Dumont. Yes. uh, We see a, a silhouette of the angel as it was when it was in the movie. We see images of people... Uh, in 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 restraint of different t- types, and we see the most of what we see is a topless woman Dr-
1: ripping her own fingernails yes. off
2: by uh, Im- implanting them into into a stone wall. Now, I find all of these images affecting. Yes, and I think that they did a really good job communicating that the film is a film that drives you mad, without obviously having it drive the audience mad, since that's yeah. impossible. Uh However, do you think it would have been more effective if they had not shown the film at all and simply had our characters staring at the screen
0: horrified as this continued on? I think... And here's where, as we discussed in the Antrim episode, the problem with the Antrim is that it says it's going to kill you. Yes. We know cigarette. we know LaFont Absolute Demol is not going to kill us. Because we have the layer of abstraction that is the television and the narrative. Right. So, seeing La Font Absolute Dumont, I think, is fine. Okay. It it doesn't... We know that an angel is tortured. Mm -hmm. It's not like we could imagine it, but
1: Mm
0: -hmm. it's still fine to see it. And because we know, like, we don't have the expectation of, like, oh, it's going to make me crazy... Yeah, it's seeing it is fine. I I don't mind it at all. You build up an hour of this film, mm-hmm. you might as well show it. Sure. Okay. Yeah, that
2: was that was a discussion that Kaylee and I had uh, bri- very briefly while we were watching the movie, and I I see both sides of it. There is a part of me that thinks mm, if they didn't show it, isn't the imagination scarier? But. At the same time, that's never really been John Carpenter's bag. No, uh, he likes he likes to build up to the, the the big monster thing.
0: No one has ever accused John Carpenter of being subtle <laughs> in work or personal life. I assume. Oh, you never gave us any of your John Carpenter quotes.
2: Uh, oh um, no! I, I was just talking about the, the Udo Kier quote. I, I just wanted to talk about Udo Kier's quote oh. about about uh, his death scene. Really, okay. uh, as as for the rest, of John Carpenter's quotes are mostly just like, "This is the worst interview I've ever had." Fuck this, this whole
0: thing. Fuck it. I hate this. Uh, Who would ever think he would be a grouchy man? I don't think. <laughs> I don't think John Carpenter is ever happy unless he has a cigarette in his mouth and he's just noodling on a keyboard. I, I think, yeah. That's the only way I ever picture him. Yep. He's like the sprite for a Pokemon trainer. Just, <laughs> just illustrating his personality and always in the same pose. Always in... I, I, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he is. Ding, dong, ding, dong, yeah. Ding. yeah. He's a
2: grumpy little goblin of a human who has... Become successful enough that he can be his truest, grumpiest self, and nobody can say shit to him about it. And he's just—he's just off, constantly wearing black sweat clothes, uh, looking <laughs> looking look, like a fucking stagehand, like, looking like shit, and just just living his life because he doesn't give a shit. And that's that's the way he's—he has enough money that he can afford to. Yeah,
0: John Carpenter's really just a pure human, isn't he? Just <laughs>
2: That's one way to say it. Just, yeah. he is the most
0: <laughs> John Carpenter he can be. He's def.
2: that is absolutely true. He is the most John Carpenter of any, of all the John Carpenters in the world, he's the John Carpenteriest.
0: And now, from a giant cigarette burn in Le Fond Dumont, du he mm-hmm. Annie emerges naked, completely covered in blood. Yes. She goes to her father, embraces him. She tells him she's hungry. She's cold and, and she's hungry. She's cold and she's hungry mm-hmm. before sinking her teeth into his neck. Which I don't know if that action makes sense in the context of anything.
1: Uh, yeah,
2: I think it's just supposed to be like a, a horror shock moment. True. It doesn't really it, there's no like extra layer to how it works or yeah, anything. Yeah, it just seems
0: like it's just, I don't know.
2: Yeah. My wife's interpretation of, of that scene was that uh, the guy clearly spoiled his, his daughter her entire life. He gave her whatever she wanted. And assumed that it would all work out. He would have given her, her his life's blood if she had asked for it. And so she says, "I'm cold." He gives her the shirt off his back. his the yeah. jacket. She says, "I'm hungry," and then goes in to feed off of him. Uh, and we've watched that episode multiple times. Yeah, Taylor never just picked up on that. Picked that up the first time she watched it. I don't know why we're hosting this podcast.
0: Well, granted, I'm not a big subtext person. Like it was only <laughs> it was only on this watch where I was like, "Huh." The relationship between addiction to heroin is sort of like Kirby's addiction to finding the cops to move mom. I'm not a bright or perceptive person.
2: Sure, okay. But then, uh, as we know, the film does not kill you itself. It inspires violence in the people who watch it.
0: And Kirby walks down and Slowly. we see that Walter is struggling against nothing. Yes, His daughter's not really there. He's not really being eaten. Mm-hmm. Kirby throws Walter to the ground. Yes. He tells them that because neither of them can let Annie go, it's like they're killing her over and over again. Right. Which is a nice line. It's it a is, nice conceit.
2: It's, it's good writing. And and she's also consuming their lives just as she was consuming his neck.
0: Yes, as Kaylee pointed out. Yep. So he begins to slam Walter's head against the ground until he's dead.
2: And this is another one of my criticisms of the film. You just had a man put his fucking intestines through a projector. Uh... And we don't see anything of the smashed head at the final
0: climax? I mean,
2: really you're gilding the Lily at that point. I guess so, but like, it seems like it takes away... It seems like a weirdly toothless moment after all that stuff just happened.
0: It sort of is. It didn't really bother me. Sure. I was fine with it.
2: I mean, I'm sure that they just ran out of money at a certain point, but like... But yeah, he slams his he slams Walter's head against the ground, smashing
0: it like a fucking grapefruit. He stuffs the $200,000 check into his mouth. Yes. Kirby grabs Walter's gun and sits. He tells a vision of Annie that he loves her and he's sorry before putting the gun in his mouth and pulling the trigger. Mm-hmm. And uh, here's the effect I had a problem with. Okay. Because when we see Kirby later, it just looks like he has... He had some barbecue, and there's just <laughs> blood running down his mouth. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I could have done it with at least like a subtle, like little ridge at the back of his head, like a little. I sure, sure. Angel walks by with the film LaFont Absolute demon and he thanks Kirby.
2: He picks up the and this is another very weak moment where the actor who played the angel who has looked very ethereal and and inhuman. Uh, now has this weird little sort of like stumpy walk as he as he walks past with the filkets, but oh well, you know he sort of looks like a Frank Oz puppet, <laughs> maybe a little bit. But he he comes up and he says thank you, and then and, and for this and walks away.
0: Oh, another little detail frame. that I love is the angel is credited as the actor is Chris Redmond, uh-huh. and he's credited as Willowy Being.
2: Yes, John Carpenter likes to pull. Little tricks like that in his credits. For instance, Michael Myers is not the actor who played Michael Myers in the original Halloween is not credited as Michael Myers. He's credited as the Shape. Yes. Yeah.
0: Uh, which uh, and that's the end of cigarette burns. Yes. Uh, definitely check it out. Yeah. cryptozorp do you have anything you would like to add? <laughs> every morning, every angel has to line up and give Jesus a kiss. <laughs>
2: CryptoZorp, you're, you're
0: not even really an angel, are you? I w- I'll level with you. <laughs> my name is Byron Johansson, and I just like pretending to be an angel. But apparently that's a problem for you, Billy. I wasn't expecting that voice change, Byron. <laughs> well, I guess you shouldn't judge a book by its cover. Now I'm going to spread my wings and fly away. Goodbye, oh! If well wasn't... we're inside too.
2: <laughs> if he's an angel, how does he still have fucking wings?
0: Well, I guess it's an October miracle. <laughs> do you know what you want to talk about next week? Uh do you finally do maniac? Um
2: nah, Well nah. <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's not let's not and say we did. For next week, I want to talk about because it is Halloween. Yes. I want to talk about a movie called Bubba Hotep. Oh, sweet. Yeah. Oh,
0: that'll be a lot of fun.
2: That'll be a lot of fun. I can't wait. Because I'm going with, do, dealing with a lot of stress in my life right now. Yeah, let's so, have something So fun. I could use a brain. Thank you for listening. Absolutely. Thank you, everybody. <laughs> Bye-bye. <laughs>